You're listening to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract, the official podcast of the Journal of Addiction Medicine. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming. Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract is produced for your enjoyment and is focused on the latest journal-published research and science in the field of addiction medicine. Remember to add us to your favorites in iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter at ASAMorg and Facebook. Now, let's go beyond the abstract. Hello and welcome to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract. I'm your host, Dr. Sean McNeil. Today we're joined by a very special guest. Uh, His name is Dr. David Feline, and he is the new editor-in-chief of the Journal of Addiction Medicine. Dr. Feline, welcome to the podcast. I'm pleased to have you on, and I'd like to give you a moment to introduce yourself to our listeners. Okay. My name is David Feline, trained in internal medicine, certified in addiction medicine. I am professor of internal medicine, emergency medicine, and public health at Yale School of Medicine, where I direct the Yale program in addiction medicine, and I also serve as editor-in-chief of the Journal of Addiction Medicine. Currently, I'm primarily involved in clinical work on the inpatient addiction medicine consult team at Yale Haven Hospital. I do research funded by NIDA and NIAAA focused on integrating substance use disorder treatment in general medical settings, such as primary care, um, HIV clinics, OBGYN settings, emergency departments, and the hospital. And uh, also, we have an active addiction medicine fellowship, so I'm involved in education of the addiction medicine fellows, and very much involved in policy work, uh, both nationally and with the state of Connecticut, and we're currently providing guidance to the Opioid Settlement Advisory Committee on how opioid settlement funds should be spent in the state of Connecticut. Great. Now, as you mentioned, you have assumed the role of editor-in-chief of the journal. So first of all, what has it been like leading the journal thus far, and what is your vision for the future of the journal? Yeah, it's been great to come on and take over as editor-in-chief for the Journal of Addiction Medicine. It's got a a relatively short but very uh, eminent history. The uh, first editor-in-chief was George Coote, who many will know as the director of the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. And recently, you know, was overseen by uh, Frank Bocci, who's worked at the FDA, worked at NIDA, and has done an amazing job just sort of shepherding the journal uh, after we lost Dr. Sait. It's a, it, the editor editorial team is fantastic, uh, runs the gamut from psychiatry to basic science. And, you know, I think the, the important thing about the journal is it's just continuing to make strides as far as the number of submissions to the journal, the number of publications coming from the journal, and the impact factor, which is uh, continuing also to rise in, a, in the fashion that you would expect. You know, the Journal of Addiction Medicine really serves a unique audience. I think it's really geared towards um, clinicians who are practicing addiction medicine, but also those who are interested in learning cutting-edge science. And so what I envision in um, my role as editor-in-chief is making sure that we get a broad range of 
um, submissions to the journal that we're able to publish across the board on uh, issues as they relate to addiction. We have an awful lot of submissions, as would be expected, that focus on opioids and opioid-related disease, but we also make sure that we're publishing on other substance use disorders, uh, including tobacco, alcohol, um, stimulants, and uh, try to address the range of providers uh, in the area of addiction. So it's not just physicians, it's advanced practice providers, uh, nurses, uh, social workers, pharmacists, and other psychologists, and other folks who are working on the important issues as they relate to addiction and trying to serve as a a meeting place to address addiction from a variety of perspectives. Importantly, I'm I'm very interested in methodologic rigor. I want to make sure that we're publishing the best in the way of um, systematic reviews and addressing policy-relevant issues. And so we're interested in receiving um, uh, submissions in, in that area. And then finally, I would say that we, we need to be a journal that is responsive to the ever-changing needs of our clinicians. And so uh, as issues around buprenorphine induction have become more challenging for patients and, and clinicians, and as xylazine has become more prevalent, we need to be able to keep up with the rapid changes in the field and provide evidence-based guidance uh, to clinicians and other folks impacted by addiction in the, in, the, in the U.S. Okay. Now, shifting gears a little bit, this may be of interest to some of our early career addiction clinicians and researchers out there. Um, so at what point in your career did you decide that you wanted to focus on addiction, and how did you first get involved in treating it? So I became interested in pursuing addiction medicine as a career as a result of a number of experiences. I trained uh, in the late 80s and early 90s, sort of in the midst of the HIV epidemic, and many of the patients that I cared for were people who were injecting drugs. And I think I, I noticed that I had I enjoyed working with that patient population. I think I had a different rapport than maybe some of my other colleagues. I had the opportunity to do a research fellowship with the Robert Wood Johnson Clinical Scholars Program. And uh, it was during that time that I was actually working on developing and evaluating the literature for a American Society of Addiction Medicine practice guideline, one of the early practice guidelines, um, treatment of alcohol withdrawal. And I found that many of the techniques that I was learning in clinical epidemiology and health services research, unfortunately, were not being applied to the field of uh, research on alcohol withdrawal syndrome. And importantly, many of the observational studies lacked sort of the methodologic rigor. And so it was sort of that at that time that I guess a spark went off in my head and realized, here's an area of medicine in, that I'm interested in. Here's a patient population that I enjoy working within, with, and here's a, an area that would benefit from the uh, methodologic uh, skills that I was learning through my research fellowship. And it was also at that time that I was had a wonderful opportunity to work with my colleagues in psychiatry, you know, being trained as, a, as an internist and a primary care physician. You know, it's unusual to be able to work so closely with uh, addiction psychiatrists. The psychiatrists that I was working with uh, realized that there weren't 
enough specialty trained uh, psychiatrists or, uh, to address the needs of the treatment, the treatment needs of, of folks with addiction. And so they were looking to primary care as an opportunity to expand access to treatment for alcohol and opioid use disorder. And so many of the early studies that I worked on were focused on sort of moving effective strategies, medications, and brief counseling from specialty settings to general medical settings, primary care. And then we moved from primary care to emergency department, um, to hospital, to HIV clinics. And that's really sort of the way my career developed over time. Fantastic. Now, given some of the vision that you've described um, for the future of the journal, uh, what type of manuscripts would you hope to that get submitted to the journal in the future? So I'm hoping we continue to see the uh, manuscripts that are uh, funded by NIH that are um, both uh, observational studies, randomized clinical trials, uh, and implementation science. And then we're always very interested in seeing systematic reviews of uh, the literature as that those can provide uh, concise uh, uh, documentation of where the evidence exists. And where, quite frankly, there are uh, there is a need for additional research to be uh, conducted. We're very interested in seeing a small case series if they demonstrate a unique approach to a challenging problem. Okay, so um, as as I mentioned earlier, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast and being a guest. Um, now, how do you see podcasts and social media affecting the journal's efforts in the upcoming months and years? I hope they will. Uh, I hope podcasts and social media will um, provide an opportunity to broaden the audience for the science that we're publishing in the journal. I think you know we're used to sort of a, a standard set of strategies for disseminating information that's often based on old strategies, such as a paper journal that gets mailed around to individuals who subscribe. I think, you know, with the advent, uh, obviously, of, of the internet, and more recently with uh, social media and podcasts, it's an opportunity for um, folks who may not have been aware of a publication to become immediately aware and, and be able to delve into that publication. And so, uh, I'm hopeful that people learn about what we're publishing, learn that we're uh, uh, publishing in areas that are relevant to their current clinical practice, and that we expand beyond just the specialists who are working in the field and, and start to engage community uh, members, people with lived experience, and individuals who are impacted by addiction or addiction policy, and, and they can become better informed on the science of addiction. Great. Now, you mentioned that there are a range of different types of practitioners involved in addiction treatment. So from social workers to nurses to physicians, um, and also you mentioned or just a range of activities, including research, clinical work, and even policy matters. So what is your advice to providers that are involved in this space? So I think that one of the biggest challenges is getting treatment at the bedside to reflect the most current and most effective evidence that, that we have. And so that's not 
unique to uh, addiction medicine. I think that's a challenge in many areas in the practice of medicine. But unfortunately, addiction medicine is an area that's stigmatized. There's a fair amount of misinformation. And we want to make sure that we're packaging the, the science around addiction medicine in such a way that it's approachable to um, not just specialty clinicians, but also to individuals who are making decisions at a variety of levels in health systems. So folks who are uh, making decisions about what medications will be paid for, what contingencies might be put on those um, medications, what treatment services are offered. Uh, we know that you know, we, we have a workforce issue and we need to train more uh, behavioral practitioners so that they're able to provide evidence-based treatments such as motivational enhancement therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, contingency management. And we know that there are policies and practices in place in many uh, healthcare systems that don't necessarily reflect the best evidence in the literature. And so, one of our roles as a journal is to make sure that we're packaging this information in such a way that it can impact care at the bedside and policies that are being made uh, across the board. Very good. Well, Dr. Feline, I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast, and I hope that our listeners enjoyed learning about your background as you commence uh, your leadership of the Journal of Addiction Medicine. Thank you. I appreciate it. Take care. This ends today's podcast. Thank you for listening to Addiction Medicine Beyond the Abstract. All of today's show links can be found in the show notes. Remember, you can preview additional abstracts at journalofaddictionmedicine.com. This program was produced by the American Society of Addiction Medicine.